FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 334 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason Venable, and we are going to wrap up the month of May 2019. And we have so much to talk about. <laughs> Got a big old stack of comics here to get through. Um, most notably, the end, parentheses for now at least, close parentheses, of X-23, um, current volume by Mariko Tamaki is coming to a close, um, as kind of all the X-Books will start doing to get ready for Jonathan Hickman's two miniseries, um, nothing has really been revealed yet on where Laura and Gabby and Jonathan will or won't land when it's all said and done, um, I hope this is not the end. I, I, I know Laura will show up somewhere. You know, where, I, I don't know. Whether it'll be, whether she'll have, still have a solo book or just be on a team somewhere. A little more worried about um, Gabby and Jonathan. But, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens when everything kind of gets reset, um, you know, in, in their new places. But for now... This is the end of this series. Uh, two volumes in a row that our last issue will be number 12. So we're going to talk about X-23 number 12. This is Dear Gabby, The Conclusion. Written by Margo Tamaki. Penciled by Diego Orla Tagui. Inked by Walden Wong. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And cover by Ashley Witter. This cover is amazing. It's a very disheveled Laura. Her hair kind of almost a little gothy, you know, kind of messy in her face. Um, you know, just strands of hair coming over her eyes. She's got her arms crossed in an X with her claws out. It's a very striking cover. Very, um, has a lot of emotion to it. So it's, it's a fantastic cover and a good one to end on. So, yeah. So remember, when last we left this book, uh, Gabby had stormed out. Her and Laura were having disagreements on what their current activities should be. Laura was getting kind of hardcore about tracking down and destroying everything that was using Wolverine or, or X-23 genetic data. And Gabby wanted to try to do more saving, um, you know. They lost their sister that she said, you know, one of the clones they found. And Gabby was pretty distressed about that and really wanted to try to make a more positive difference where Laura just kind of wanted to shut everything down and and that led to some conflict on the missions, kind of each the tension of them trying to go their own ways. And at the end, they had a fight and Gabby put Wolverine in, a, I'm sorry, put Jonathan the Wolverine in a harness and stormed out. So that's where we pick up at Laura's apartment and she's having trouble sleeping, doesn't feel good about the situation. 
hears a noise in the kitchen, thinks it might be Gabby, goes to check it out, and it's not, but she has a little flashback of one time when Gabby had um, the, one of the original sisters that, that Gabby was cloned with, one of the masks, and she's like, did you kill my sister? And it turns out the noise is just a mouse that knocked over some honey, you know, as, as mice tend to do. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, it, you know, I mean, Disney owns Marvel now. It could have been Pooh Bear trying to get in a jar of honey, but it was a little mouse. Um, anyway, Laura gets a phone call. It's Hank. He's giving her some information. There's a new company that has some, looks like they're doing some X-23 research, trying to take what the Medextronics did and replace the healing factor. You remember they had stripped the healing factor away so that they can make an army and if they died, they died, you know, Dolph Lundgren style. But um, this company that the Beast is, is giving her information on um, the Harvest, it looks, sounds like, um, they're trying to fix the healing factor. And so Laura's like, okay, cool. Well, um, I'll try to take care of it. She hangs up. She gets another phone call from Gabby. And I love this because Gabby's like, I'm not calling for help. And Laura's like, okay. And she's like, when we drop that, when we stop that train in Morocco, how do we do that? And Laura's like, why? No reason. <laughs> we get an awesome double page spread of the speeding train and Gabby and Jonathan on top fighting some uniformed bad guys. Um, get a nice sideways, like horizontal panel of Gabby and Jonathan moving through the troops. Jonathan biting everybody, Gabby doing her thing, kicking and punching. And then it ends with them jumping at you. It's a great panel of Jonathan with fangs and claws out, jumping right in your face, and Gabby doing a flying kick. It's, it's really cool. And Laura's like, well, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to use your GPS. Come. She gets on a motorcycle. She's like, doesn't need my help. You do too need my help. And Gabby's like, no, I don't. She goes on the train. Then Laura gets to where the train is on an overpass. She's like, whatever. She jumps on the train. She sees the hatch. She jumps down and it's X turkeys, a car full of genetically modified turkeys with healing factors. And Gabby wants to save them. And Laura's like, why? <laughs> She's like, well, I tried to set them free, but they didn't like that. She was going to throw them out in the train, but they, they were a little resistant to being on top of a fast-moving train. Um, and Laura's like, I, this doesn't make any sense. Um... And she's like, what, what is your mission? To save the ex-turkeys? And Gabby's like, yeah. And she's like, what the hell, Gabby? You eat turkey. And Gabby's like, shut up. They can hear you. And gives the turkey some earmuffs. Um, <laughs> it's really funny. And Gabby's like, why'd you come if you're not going to help? Just go away. And Laura's like, no, I will help you quit storming off. I'm not storming off. I'm, this is how I move when I'm on a mission. I'm really going to miss Gabby's... Um, personality if we don't get more of her um and she goes to, to go to the next train car and this giant metal arm gets her punches her through the roof we get a double snick as laura goes and slices it off and disables it uh, gabby comes in and punches the computer and they're gonna try to stop the train but the self-destruct comes on and gabby has a, a flashback to to scout um you know what she named her sister um 
pushing the self-destruct button and sacrificing yourself. And Gabby, of course, regrets that a lot, but they are going to run. They run from car to car to car as cars are exploding right behind them. It's really kind of a, a big action movie scene as they're just jumping from car to car, explosions constantly behind them. It, it catches up to them, and Lord's like, crap, I, I came to help, and we blew up all the ex-turkeys. And then Gabby's like, hey! And ex-turkeys are, you know, they have a healing factor, and they're fireproof, and they can fly. And they come down, and so they take the turkeys to a mutant uh, eco-friendly farm. And uh, Gabby and Laura have a little heart-to-heart. Gabby's like, you think this is stupid? She's like, no, no, I was wrong. I should have got your input on what we were doing instead of just bossing you around. Um, you know, we need to be partners, and Gabby's like, well, it's not like we grew up with family meetings, which is a great line. And he's like, no, actually, our family history kind of sucks, but, um, you know, maybe we can change that. And so she asked, you know, what was Scout? She saw the paper with Scout on it, and she's like, that's why I named our sister. Um, you know, the button that self-destructed them was T-O, sorry, T-U-O-K-S, and Scout's the reverse of that. It's about setting it right, which is a cool name. So I like the logic, because Gabby's about to reveal that she's going to go by Scout now instead of Honey Badger. And, you know, I, I like I like the idea of, like, her logic behind it. I Honestly, I like the To Kill a Mockingbird nod. I think Honey Badger's a cooler name, but, you know, whatever. Um, but it's going to be her name and her mission for now. And Laura's like, okay, I'm going to support you. I'm going to back you up. You know, I may not care as much about all of your missions as you do, but I care about you, and I always will. And it's a great way to end this book. The art and the colors are beautiful. Great art, great action, great emotion. The writing is is fantastic. Um, You know, not... It's more of... Almost more of a... Transition book than an ending book. It kind of feels like they've reestablished a relationship. I mean... It's good that we kind of end back up where they're in a good place, right? And that conflict is resolved. And that's better than than, than obviously the book ending with an open-ended conflict. But it's really not a big finale, so to speak. Just kind of a, you know, re-establishing the relationship and kind of um, going quietly into the night. So, but I like it. I like it. I think it's a really solid ending. Like I said, it does kind of put them back in a good place together. It makes Laura feel more like Laura. I'm wondering if maybe the intention was to have that kind of rediscovery of herself be more protracted and had to get condensed because of of the changes in the books. But, you know, either way, uh, Mariko Tamaki, well, um, kind of brings it back in in a good way. So I, I love this book. I love this series. It's been consistently, you know, out of the 12 issues, I think the lowest we gave anything was four out of six claws. So um, I'm going to give this finale, number 12, uh, six out of six claws. And I'm going to say that the series overall is probably a six out of six claws as well. Denise was not able to, to join us, but she's very sad about this book ending um, and is going to miss, miss reading it. Um, and me too. So like I said, I hope these characters all show up in a good place uh, once Hickman does his thing. But even if not, I'm very glad to have had this book and I'm going to I'm gonna miss it a lot. Um, 
some big kudos to Mariko Tamaki for for following up on what Tom Taylor started and and giving a great kind of second season to these characters. Um, one that felt like the characters moved them in a good place with a really fun book. Uh, really found a good place with the art with Diego. Um, you know the last several issues. So yeah, six out of six claws for me for X23 number twelve and really X23 overall. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I could focus on on how bummed I am that it's ending. Instead, I'm just going to focus on how glad I was to to have this book and have it be as good as it was for how long it was. Because, I mean, if you roll the two volumes together, by, f I mean, at the top of my list of, you know, a very short list of, of top books on the shelf, month after month, you know, between All New Wolverine and X-23 in this volume, um, so just big kudos to the creative teams and a big thank you for providing these fun adventures for us. So that said, we're going to move on to Wolverine Infinity Watch number four. This is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Andy McDonald, colors by Jordi Belair, letters again by VCs Corey Petit, woohoo, or Pennant, uh, covered by Giuseppe Camincoli, Roberto Pokey and Dean White. Uh, this cover is pretty cool. It's actually pretty great. Um, Wolverine is in a dark hallway of a space station and is very much coming out of the shadow at you, almost kind of alien-esque. Um, he does unfortunately sport the hot claws on this cover, which have been noticeably missing from pretty much everything since they <laughs> this return to Wolverine um, ended. But, you know, he's got him on this cover, but overall... Really nice cover. Um, it's pretty cool. Lots of fun play with the shadow, like I said. Um, pretty cool. So, we start off back again at the end of time with Phoenix, Wolverine, and Old Man Thor arm wrestling. And uh, Phoenix Wolverine says, I'm going to go Phoenix out. <laughs> you know, burn up. Maybe resurrect someday. See you again later. And we come back to our present. And, um... Uh, oh, what's his name? Shoot. Hector. Um, is having a, a flashback at a gas station. And he, he uh, he sees himself. That's the, the night he got arrested, committed the crime. He wishes he could change it. But we go back to the, the space station with the raptors. And, and Talonar is, is basically torturing him, trying to make him use the time gem. Then we see that Wolverine is basically in a big, huge, fiery furnace and trying to burn him up so Talonar can put the adamantium on his Darkhawk claws. I'm sorry, on his Raptor claws. Um, but they're having trouble. And then Bats, the ghost dog, shows up and goes into the fire. And Logan says, fetch the stick. Then Loki, as a fake Nova person, brings uh, the writer, Mama Rider, to the space station, Bats goes through howling, and she's like, what is going on? She's like, we need to find your son, the other, your other son. So Bats goes back out to the flying Viking spaceship, gets the bat with the time diamonds, runs back in, trips a, a raptor. Um, somehow as Wolverine, like, gets out, um, they would have kind of melt his way through. He's mostly skeleton at this point. 
the bats, hands him the bat, and he activates the time diamonds, and you see his body kind of go back in time. It's a really cool page. Um, has different layers of time, show different kind of layers of flesh added back to him until he's whole. He's like, good boy. And then, you know, you can argue whether there's really the hot claws or just the fact that he just busted out of, like, a giant furnace. But he cuts his way through some raptors, cuts his way through some more raptors. Definitely hot claws here. Bass is, like, running is hard. And he watches all the carnage, and he says, they let you be an Avenger? And there's, like raptor hands and heads and everything rolling around and bouncing around and Loki introduces Mama Ryder to her son Talonar, Robbie Ryder and he's like, what are you doing? and Talonar's like Loki, you bastard no more tricks, damn your illusion and he kills his mom and she's like I, I forgive you and he's like what? No, no, and Loki turns back into Loki and sets Hector free and Talonar's like, what? No! But Hector's able to finally move in time. Instead of just freezing time, he's able to move in time and goes back before Robbie kills his mom. Uh, there's a part where he gives the double guns, double middle finger to him, himself and the paradox, or no, I'm sorry, to Robbie Ryder. And they're bleeped out by green infinity symbols, which is kind of funny. Um, and he realizes it really is his mom. Wolverine comes in. He was naked, but he's got like a, a crotch belt made out of like raptor armor. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so him and Bats come in. He's really, really mad. He's going to kill Talonar, but Hector and Loki try to stop him. Uh, Robbie hugs it out with his mom. Then the Time Bobbies show up, and you know they're mad because people are, are using time inappropriately. And then the Warbringer shows up, and it's all bad news, and we get a double snick to be concluded. There you go. So art again is just lovely, really great. Um, issue maybe not quite as fun as the first three, but it's still really good. I think it's a very solid five out of six claws. Wolverine's pretty fun. I mean, he's mostly just on a naked rampage through most of the issue. Um, really love, continue to love Bats. Loved him in the Doc Strange book, and and love him here as well. Um. I don't know if the, the mom thing really had the emotional weight that was intended. You're like, oh, okay, he killed his mom. Oh, okay, now he hugs his mom. Because, you know, it got undone by time time travel shenanigans. And it's, it's fun. I mean, or not fun. Not fun. It's fine, is what I meant to say. But I don't know if it really... I feel like maybe it was supposed to move us a little more than it did. And maybe it moved other people more than, than me. But anyway, I just... I don't know. I think it's still really good. It's a very solid five out of six claws, but I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the first three, which I thought were pretty damn perfect. So, there you go. Wolverine Infinity Watch number four, five out of six claws. So, before we get to a string of War of the Realms books, we're going to catch up with Marvel Comics Presents. We have our main story, The Vigil Part 5, Written by Charles Soule. This time penciled by Dio Neves. Inked by Oren Jr. Colors by Frank D. Marta, And letters by Mrs. Joe Caramagna. 
Um, the cover in this is again by Art Adams. Um, this time we have a giant venom um, subjugating Wolverine and Nightcrawler. Um, this, this is a good cover. It's fine. Um, so remember in the essential, now we're in the 80s. And we start off with that great, was it one? Oh, shoot. Uh, turkey in the butt. I think it's 135. When Wolverine takes on the Hellfire Club solo, kind of for the first time. Um, so we start with kind of that scene of him in the sewers. Um, and he's talking about how he's always been alone, but now he has a family with the X-Men. And, you know, now that um, Sylvie has died, he's wondering, like, who's going to help him fight the demon. And he's also wondering when the demon's going to show up. So he's keeping a close eye on the news. We kind of get a greatest hits of Wolverine 80s stuff. Um... We see some stuff from his miniseries with Yukio. Um, you know, the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries, the Brood Saga. And, you know, he can't figure out why the demon's not... And, you know, they have, they have a tea, they have a talk. Wolverine tells him what's going on, and Doctor Strange is like, well, you're way out of your element here. Um, and you, but you can't kill it. Um... You know, you, need to, you probably need to figure this out on your own. But I'll point you to Sylvie's family. It's a very magic family. Um, and it was French. So it's probably the Darkness family. Uh, spelled D-A-R-Q-U-E-N-E-S-S. So a very, like, French literary uh, way to spell darkness. Um, but, you know, I don't... I can't really interfere with them. They're their own magic family, and it's not really polite for me to butt in. So you have to do this on your own. And Wolverine's like, of course. But he goes to the French Alps, to the village of darkness, um, and he's asking around. And everyone's like, uh, no, 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 no. And he's like, I'm looking for Sylvie, you know, this lady. And Sylvie's aunt says, I am Agatha. I am Sylvie's aunt. And he's like, so you know about the truth? And she's like, yes, so I need some magic help, you know, versus just me. And she's like, no, we will handle this handle this ourselves. Your vigil is ended. And she sends him back to Australia. But Logan's stubborn, and he says, something's, mad, something's the matter. When I was in that village, I caught a scent. And he sees a blonde girl in his memory. Um... And I think this is it's not Sylvie, because Sylvie had dark hair, right? I think. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, like, his daughter or something. But we'll see. Um, so the story was fine. The art, not as good. It's not bad, not terrible, but the art has really kind of been the selling point in this book. And it's just kind of okay in this with this art change. Um, so, yeah, the story... Uh, I'm going to give this three out of six claws. We also get a Nightcrawler story by Chris Claremont, Luke Ross, colors by Tamara Bonvian, and colors by V.C. Joe Caramagna. It's basically like back during the cross time capers of Excalibur. And Nightcrawler lands on a planet where he thinks he's home. And he's in Berlin and the wall comes down. And he is dealing with Destiny and Mystique and Sabretooth. Um... You know, and there, there's a fight there, but, you know, it turns out it's not really his planet. He gets back on the, the time-traveling train and gets back in his kind of his uh, 
John Carter garb, which coincides with the issue that the Escalabros are either about to cover or have just covered, depending on when I put this out and when their next episode comes out. But, um, what is my favorite part, chapter of the Cross Timekeepers? Uh, anyway, it's kind of a pointless story. And then there's a Venom story by Lee Williams, which I thought was equally pointless. Um, so yeah, Marvel Comics presents number five, as it were, a definite three out of six claws. You know, that's too bad because that visual story, like I said, mostly because of the art, but, but also, you know, Soul's writing as well, and really kind of started to, to pick up from very average to kind of catching my attention. Unfortunately, the art let down a little bit, kind of takes it back down a notch. But, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. I think there's still, like, several more chapters. <laughs> so, or at least a couple, anyway. Um, so, we'll see. But, yeah, so... Next up, we're about to jump in with both feet to a lot of War of the Realms. So, that's coming up in just a second. Okay, so, War! Huh! What's it good for? Well, it's good for making a lot of comic books, apparently. Uh, War War of the Realms has exploded onto the scene. I think mostly to fairly well reception. Um... I've been enjoying it, but there, man, there's a lot of comics, and I'm not going to talk about all of them, and I'm still going to talk about a bunch, <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Um, we're going to start off with the War of the Realms Strike Force, colon, the War Avengers number one, um, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, drawn by Kim Jacinto and Ario Anandito. Uh, colored by Yavatar Taglia and Felipe Silbriero. Uh, letters by VCs Josebino. And there's a main cover by Kim Jacinto and Matt Hollingsworth. It's basically a team shot. Um, I went, I opted for the uh, Nick Bradshaw and Laura Martin variant cover, which has a really cool Captain Marvel screaming and kicking some ass, and her team kind of behind her fighting Frost Giants. Which, yeah, that was a little more dynamic than just kind of the, the here's our team standing here. Um, so we start off with Deadpool fighting a bunch of um, fire lava sharks. Um, and, you know, typical Deadpool kind of violence and, and funny. And um, he jumps into the water to get away, but then finds out the lava sharks can swim. And still stay on fire. He's like, oh crap. And we get a nice big chomp as he gets eaten. But then someone slices him open, slices the sharp open and pulls him out and it's Namor. And he's mad that there's fire sharks underwater. And then Captain Marvel shows up uh, to enlist his help. He's like, how dare you bring another war to my doorstep? And he's like, this is, we didn't do this. Like, Malekith will not stop. You think he's going to stop at the surface world? And Namor's like, I'll handle it on my own. You guys get out of here. Um, so yeah. They, they do that. And then Carol puts together a team. Um, it was like Deadpool and I think this is Sif, right? Yeah, Sif. Um, and Weapon H. And they're gonna, they're gonna, oh, 
don't know, there's a bunch of people ending out this book, and I forgot what was going on. <laughs> but um, Venom's here, but he's not part of the team, and they're, and they're trying to find Black Widow and Winter Soldier, but they're not going to be part of the team either. They're doing their own thing, trying to get into a Stain International Weapons Facility, um, and, you know, have some bantors. They fight Frost Giants, and... You know, Deadpool and Venom and Weapon H. Oh, I guess they are all part of the team. So they, they jump out, and they're going to fight some more giants. We can get a, a Snick as Weapon H. And like, damn right. Um, the Frost Giant tries to squash Venom. It doesn't work. And then they they take basically some mecha suits. Some Black Widow and Deadpool get a mecha suit. Deadpool paints Deadpool eyes on it. Um, and they're going to fight some Dark Elves now and those uh, Garden Elephants. And are made out of bushes. Um, so they do that. And lots more fighty, fighty, fighty. Big time fighty, fighty. And then Captain Britain shows up. And takes them back to Happy Land. And... You know... More kind of Deadpool antics. Um, then we go to London. Where... Not Firestar and the Black Knight... Union Jack are fighting, and we kind of re-highlight the scene where Malekith gets Black Knight's Ebony Blade. Our War Avengers show up, and so I guess this is before Malekith, or no, it kind of re-shows where Malekith takes Venom, and so Carol goes home without him and is pretty pissed that she let it all kind of fall apart, um, and is not having fun, and then she's like, well, I guess we're going to have to get back to it, though. we still got to fight. Can't give up. Um. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Art's fine. Story's fine. Um. Three out of six claws for me. Um. You know. I was hoping for a little more. I didn't hopeless. But, um. It's not a bad little. Little chapter. So. Yeah. So then. War. Of the realms number four, which is written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Russell Dodderman, colored by Matthew Wilson, lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. The cover is by Art Adams, sorry, author Adams, and Matthew Wilson. And here we have Malekith and some of his significant baddies, um, and then Venom on a leash kind of in the foreground. It's a pretty good cover. Um, so this kind of goes to like um, Freya's mission. You know, she is, has taken over the Black Bifrost and is protecting it. We have the the honeypot elf guy with the two little pistols. Um, and, and her friend in Alfheim and talking about how the they're mad at what Malekith has done to, to the world, and then Punisher shows up, and they think he's one of Malekith's guys because he's grim and has a skull on his shirt. But they're like, "No, no, no! I'm here. Um, Thor's mom sent me, and if you want to get revenge, come with me." And then we go back to Daredevil, kind of losing the Bifrost in Asgard, and then Svartalheim, Freya, and She-Hulk have the Black 
Bifrost and Freya send She-Hulk back home, and she's going to take on all the elves and make her last stand to maintain. Then we got to check in with everybody. We've seen She-Hulk goes to fight some trolls, Ghost Riders getting some giant spy. Oh, sorry, no, no, no. They're going to recruit. So She-Hulk is recruiting some dwarves. Uh, Ghost Riders recruiting some giant spiders. Blade is recruiting the veneer, and of course. Wolverine's on the team uh, to go retrieve Thor from Jotunheim and the Frost Giants. More on that in a minute. Um, And then Black Panther's defending Avengers Mountain with Siri. Sorry. With Siri. (laughs) Oh my goodness. With Shuri. Um, (laughs) Siri. What a stupid mistake. Uh, Captain gets home and he's like, Ghost Rider's like, don't mind the giant spiders. Um... Odin wakes up from his battle wounds and is like, where is Freya? I'm going to go find her. Then we see Captain Marvel is now the Ages of Atlas um, in this chapter. Um, Malekith is continuing to, to press. He goes to Stonehenge, which is one of the places of earthly magic, um, and is messing with the symbiote. Um, Odin decides he's going to go help Lady Freya, Freya at the Black Bifrost. And he shows up, and he, uh, Iron Man and uh, the Weapon Dwarf, uh, what's his name, Two-minute Screwbeard, make Odin like Iron Man Odin armor. Uh, it looks pretty rad. I mean, it's gold. I'm not a gold fan, but um, it's, the, the, the helmet's pretty rad. It's got like one eye and, and big metal horns and... Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, Freya makes fun of it, though. She's like, Odin, what the devil are you wearing? Um, and they they fight together and hold Frost together for a minute, but then Malekith shows up with a god-killing, like, symbiote spike or something. You know, because now we know that, you know, the the symbiotes come from like this this dark god thing or whatever. Not, I did better the Guardians of the Galaxy version where there's a nice peaceful planet, uh, the Clintar or whatever. But then we go back to Midgard, and Punisher is trying to rally everyone, and uh, Jane Foster, who's the new All Mother, is trying to rally everyone, and then Thor shows up. He's been successfully rescued, and you know, to be continued. So, obviously, Dotterman's art is, is just lovely, as always. Uh, the story's pretty good, pretty fun. It's starting to... You know, it's funny that the the, the, the ties have been pretty focused. The main book has been a little all over the place. It kind of started with a tight focus, and now I think between all the scene changes and trying to cover and catch up with everybody, it's a little scattershot. A little unfocused. Um, still enjoyable, for sure. I mean, it's an epic war, and there's some good battles and good character moments. It's just, I don't know, it's a little disjointed. I'm going to give War of the Realms number four, four out of six claws. A very strong four out of six. I mean, I'm enjoying it by all stretch, but I don't know. I'm just not crazy, crazy about it. So we're going to move next to War of the Realms Uncanny X-Men number 2. 
you know, part two or three, written by Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Pere Perez, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, no relation, I don't think, uh, lettered by VCs Travis Lanham, and the cover is by David Yarden. I really like this cover a lot. It's Sabertooth surrounded by hell, or flanked, I guess, by hellhounds, um, and he's kneeling in the snow and kind of looking up at him. It's, it's a pretty nice cover. I like it quite a bit. So, we've apparently moved quite a bit into the future, which really makes the regular uncanny timeline a little troublesome, because we know this whole, th the War of the Realms is kind of sandwiched between two issues. But everyone here is like grown full beard, so it seems like War of the Realms is going on quite a stretch. Um, we see Donnie, oh, sorry, Danny Moonstar is trying to protect some humans from Frost Giant. She's beheading some hellhounds. Um, multiple man's or Multiples Man is also there. Uh, they're, they're fighting. It's really pretty heroic. Um, Havoc is there as well. And like I said, he's got full beard now and like tattered clothes. Like, you know, the world's all frozen over, but he kind of lights the way home, basically. And the Banshee goes and fights some frost giants, but he gets knocked out of the air. Um, then Cyclops shoots one through the head, and it's, it's actually kind of a cool idea. It's basically got like a telescopic, like, sniper laser that you can snipe people with his optic blast. Um, and it's pretty cool, and he's got a big old bushy beard. Um, and they go back to the, uh, the, I guess it's the Mets Stadium? Is that where they are? Um... And they're collecting refugees and protecting refugees. Uh, a little bit of, you know, kind of disconnect. Is they're like, we have to protect Jamie Prime. So sorry for being rude about you trying to talk to him. But, like, his army of multiples is the only thing that's keeping us going, protected, and giving us the manpower we need. Um, then they're like, what about the other mutants? And Cyclops is like, what other mutants? You mean the ones we had in our basement that must have got away sometime? And then later rejoin our team. But you already knew that, <laughs> reader. Um, so it's Hope and her team, which is Sunspot and another Multiples man. But Hope is, of course, have stolen his power. And now there's Multiples Hope. And they're running around trying to protect people. Uh, Wolf's Bane is there as well, looking great. Really like uh, Pere Perez's Wolf's Bane design. And then Samurai shows up, being full-on bad guy again. Now he's on Malachi's side. Um, and he's got his hellhounds. And Wolf's Bane, who previously just rolled over like a good dog and died, um, has a heck of a fight with Sabretooth and really goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with him in a great little sequence of, of her fighting Sabretooth and feeling very much like Wolf's Bane. Um... It's pretty awesome. I don't know if we ever really find out exactly why Sabretooth is helping Malekith besides just being a bad guy again, because that's what we need him to do. Um, and then Havoc shows up and blasts some dudes and Danny and, and uh, Karma and Banshee are there as well. Um, Sabretooth runs off because um, we're not done here. We'll be back. And they rejoin together. And they're like, oh wait, where's Wolfsbane? 
and Sabretooth has taken Wolf's Bane prisoner to a Stark Tower. Um, basically says that I guess Malekith has promised him, you know, a kingdom here in, in his new earth. So that's his his rub, and he has magic, and but he can't really break her down the way he wants to. Um, so he's gonna use Wolfsbane to do it, but then Wolfsbane, her dead husband and son show up, and I'm guessing Rosenberg's going to say in part three that this is why she just gives up on life because of whatever happens next. But I don't know. We'll see. I think it's really because so the art in this is really good, and not to compare book to book, but I almost can't help it. It's amazing to me how much these characters feel like themselves when they don't really end Uncanny X-Men and they're both written by Rosenberg. Um, it's just weird to me, but this book is pretty fun. Um, the X-Men feel like X-Men. They're trying to help everyone. They're like they're heroes for crying out loud. Who'd have thunk it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not... Not gonna say it's like brilliantly written or anything, but it's pretty fun and the art is amazing, so that definitely helps, right? Uh, Perez at this point in in Larocca's career is much better than Salvador, I think personally. Um, helps that we have nice, vibrant colors where you can see stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird because this is by—I mean, I know it's just a tie-in and. Whatever, but by far the superior Uncanny X-Men book is War of the Realms as opposed to the regular book. Um, I don't know. Uh, probably going to give this a high 4 out of 6 claws. It's almost in the 5 range. I'm not quite ready to go that far on it. But it's just really good to see Wolf's Bane like, put up a fight and protect her friends. And not to, She's not like being violent for violence's sake. I mean, she's still within character. And just first of all, she looks great because Perez draws the hell out of her. But also, I don't know, just just being a hero, and all these characters kind of being heroes and being themselves was just such a nice change of pace. So yeah, a very very high four out of six claws for Uncanny X Men: War of the Realms number two, and that is going to take us to Avengers. Number 19. Written by Jason Aaron. Art by Ed McGinnis. Each by Mark Morales. Colors by Justin Ponsor. Uh, R.I.P. Rest in peace, Justin. Um, and Eric Arseniega. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the cover is by McGinnis and Val Staples. It's a pretty cool cover. We have Avengers Mountain in the background, which of course is a celestial body frozen by ice. And this is the siege of Avengers Mountain as the Frost Giants are ready to attack. It's a pretty nice cover, I gotta say. Um, so Wolverine's barely in this. There's kind of a... Here's all the other teams that are out there doing stuff, and he's included, of course, in his, his rescue of Thor. This is really a character piece on uh, uh, the Man-Ape. Is that actually his name? His hero name? Um, the former agent of Atlas who has been enlisted by Black Panther to, to kind of be head of security at Avengers Mountain. So while the Avengers are out fighting their war, 
he kind of talks about his life and his feelings. It's a really nice character piece. Um, if he ends up kind of being a heel in the end. But he meets with Ursa Major at a zoo because it's inconspicuous. Um, that's when the other agents of or sorry, the other agents of Wakanda show up and say, Hey, War of the Realms is here, we need your help. Um, so we get some more kind of crossing over on that, and then as the Frost Giants siege Avengers Mountain, he's gotta do his best to keep everyone there safe, because remember, all the refugees from New York are there. Um, and he does, does a pretty good job fighting, but at the end of the day, you know, he he meets up with the uh, the devil dog from, from the vampires, and, you know, it turns out that Dracula has offered him a cure from his ape, ape curse, so he's agreed to help him, but now... He's realized he kind of likes being a hero after this little fight, and now he regrets, you know, his self-loathing and what it's going to mean to kind of have pledged his fealty to to Dracula in exchange for this cure, but he can't go back on his word for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why he doesn't just say, you know what, screw you, devil dog. Uh, I'm going to renege my deal and just stay ape man and help the Avengers for a while. But, but anyway, he is very regretfully sad about it. Um, that was a pretty nice little story. Um, give this, uh, for, it's either a four or a five for me. Um, uh, really, I enjoyed the art. The Guinness art and just the character. I'll go five out of six claws. Why not? Alright, so next up is was a treat. Oh my goodness, this book. Uh, War of the Realms Strike Force The Land of the Giants, number one. Um, you know, focus on Wolverine's mission, right? Uh, this is written by Tom Taylor, penciled by Jorge Molina, inked by Adriano Di Benedetto, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and the cover by Jorge Molina. On the cover, a brightly colored cover with kind of the bifrost in the background some kind of rainbow bright colors um, and we have our, our strike force which is Captain America, Wolverine Spider-Man, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and this, I'm just going to spoil it right away, this book is perfect um, I really just kind of want to read it to you guys, of course I love Tom Taylor's Spider-Man um his characterization, everyone's super heroic. The art and the colors are stinking beautiful. Um, so it starts with kind of, you know, the War of the Realms of Spider-Man, just kind of not knowing what he's going to do. And Cap shows up and says, hey, I need, need your help. I got this axe and born yarn, and we need, we need to go on a mission. Can you come down? And he says, I got this flying horse. Um, and I'll see you down there. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can I ride with you? And we get a nice full-page splash page of Captain America on the Pegasus flying down the mountain. And Spider-Man kind of riding behind him. And with a woo, his fists fist pop up in the air. And kind of the northern lights behind him. It's, it's a great page. Oh, my goodness. Uh, first of many. Um, 
Then we go to like the Avengers meet ta- meeting table, and Luke Cage kind of looks around like, "What's up with the sausage fest?" Which I thought was kind of a funny nod to Tom Tom Taylor being like, "Oh, oh, I guess I realize I picked a team of all dudes." Um, but everyone has a purpose, right? Um, you know, Captain America says other heroes are busy, but we have what we need—a hunter, a tracker, which is Wolverine, um, the muscle, which is Luke Cage. You know, a guy who can punch frost giants, Iron Fist. <laughs> you know, Thor may be the key to turning the tide of this war, and we need to go rescue him. Um, and see, so yeah, they're going to. So they go to the like the armory, and there's all these weapons. And they all choose these weapons. Um, and we get a uh, potential snick of the year because everyone starts picking weapons, and Captain America is like Logan. He's like, nah, I'm good, snicked. <laughs> like, I got my weapons right here, dude. Um, it's a pretty great little sequence. really love it. Um, so we get Spider-Man a shield, and then Logan gives him this helmet. He's like, here, a magic helm. And it's, it's pretty funny. So they go to Daredevil at the Bifrost, and he sends them to Jotunheim. Um... But first, they get their, they all get a Pegasus. So there's another great splash page of them riding through the rainbow, riding the rainbow on their Pegasus. And Spider-Man's like, I'm so into this. And everyone's on a winged horse, and it's great. It pops. Its colors are wonderful. And then we see them, like, some panels of them riding, and there's the rainbow, like, behind them. It looks really, really great. And Iron Fist is like, we need a team name. And Wolverine's like, no, we don't. He's like, what about the Horsemen of Peace? No. I've got it, the four horsemen who all punched Apocalypse. No. He's like, why not? And Luke Cage is like, well, for one thing, there's five of us. Did you forget to count yourself? And Iron Fist kind of looks glum and says, yeah, I forgot to count myself. Um, the Spider-Man sees, you know, the land of the Frost Giants and the river of Frost Giant blood. And um, Logan's like, well, I guess we follow that. <laughs> to find Thor. Um, the Spider-Man names his horse Buttercup, which is really sweet. Logan kind of makes fun of it. And he's like, well, you got a name? He's like, fine, I'll call mine Horse. Um, and it's, it's great because at the same time, simultaneously, Wolverine smells something and Spider-Man's spider sense goes off. And that's when we see the scene we already saw where Frost Giants shoot an arrow through Luke Cage's horse. Um... Spider-Man falls off and does some acrobatics to get back on. Um, we get another nice snicked as Wolverine says, Horse, snicked, giddy up! And goes to fly after the Frost Giants. His horse, unfortunately, also gets slaughtered. Um, but he gets his revenge with a grr and another awesome snicked as he flies into a Frost Giant. Uh, and all our heroes are going after the Frost Giants. And... Spider-Man's like, you will not hurt Buttercup, and he hits the Frost Giant in the nose with his shield. And our heroes just go to town, and there's lots of cool fighting. Um, and Spider-Man's like, oh, by the way, what's this helmet do? And Wolverine's like, what do you mean? Like, everyone else is using special weapons to do special things. You said this was magic. And Wolverine's like, how would I know it's magic? Why'd you tell me to wear it? It was the most ridiculous helmet I could find. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine laughs while he's slicing frost giants. He gets this big old grin on his face. And um, 
And he goes, I mean, it has a little shade cover for your neck, and we're in a dark ice planet. And Spider-Man goes, I preferred you when you were dead. That's great. Um, so Captain America says we need to keep moving, but they're all like, what about these horses? They're, they carried us here. They're all dead. And Buttercup bows. And Spider-Man's like, we should join her. And he's like, you want us to bow to the horses? And Wolverine's like, yeah, bow. And Spider-Man goes to talk to Buttercup. And the Buttercup starts talking back. And he's like, whoa, wait a second. And he's like, you can talk? It's like, all horses are talking horses. But you just can't understand this. But with your translator helmet, your magic helmet that you're wearing, you can understand this. And he's, he's like, oh. Well, I guess your name isn't actually Buttercup. It is not. It's Queen Artorius. And she says, we need to honor our dead, our fallen comrades. And Spider-Man apologizes. He's like, hey, we're Valkyrie horses. We're warriors. We went out, you know, doing what we need to do. And it's funny, because then it turns back around. You see Spider-Man from the back, and the other heroes are listening. And Spider-Man's going, Nay, 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 we didn't know. I'm making horse noises. With, like, he sounds like a horse. And <laughs> it's really funny that Spider-Man's talking like a horse and the horse is talking like a horse. And Luke Cage is like, What the hell? <laughs> this is the best episode of Mr. Ed ever. Um, so they decide that, like, they need to take the horses home. Uh, the, the buttercup or... Or Arturius is going to stay with him. He has an incan. He like has a eulogy, like a special eulogy for the Valkyrie horses. He needs to say so their spirits can can move on. So he says, "You guys go fight. I'll catch up with you." So they do. They go fight. They find Thor. You know, kind of back to some of the scenes we've seen previously. Um, and you know, Wolverine makes the same comment. He's in Berserker. I know all about that. And they all talk about, you know, the times they lost their tempers. Um, Captain America's like, I had a pretty bad day with Hitler one time. And Spider-Man kind of jokes about it. doesn't really have a bad time. But then uh, Buttercup shows up and is going to rejoin the fight. It says, we will protect the Ten Realms. And that inspires the rest of the heroes, right, to, to fight some more. We even get a, a cannonball special with Luke Cage and Wolverine. It's pretty awesome. Um... And they all fight. Um, it's funny because Wolverine says, it's like the old saying goes, the bigger they are, the easier it is to get into their skulls and go to work on their brains. <laughs> Luke Cage is like, I think we know different, uh, very different old sayings. Um, but yeah, you know, Luke Cage gets, he goes toe-to-toe with some frost giants. They all kind of do their thing. And then Thor comes to... And unfortunately, Buttercup also dies in the fracas. And Spider-Man's like, where's my helmet? I need my helmet! And Wolverine, who originally jokingly gave him the helmet, finds it and is very sincerely like, here, kid, I know you need this. And they all kind of mourn the death of the flying horses. And he's like, you don't know the words. My spirit can't pass on. Please take me home with you, Jester Warrior. And so they knew. They take him back to Avengers Mountain and, and bury him, and they kneel again. Um, it's just and that's the end, and it's such a powerful, emotional, uh, 
story. It's got great action. It moves along the story. It's got great emotion, great humor. Our characters are so heroic on their in their mission, and and it's silly, but it it gets you right in the gut. It's just it's a perfect comic book. It really is. Um, yeah, War of the Realm Strike Force: The Land of Giants is highest of six out of six claws for me. I mean. Un, un, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but for reals, whatever, <laughs> whatever I was trying to say there, for reals, one of my favorite books for, of 2019 so far. I know we're only in May, right? Can be eclipsed by other stuff, but we're early in the year. is is one of my favorite books, and I just love the heck out of it, and cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, is, is beautiful, the art's beautiful, the colors are beautiful, the writing is beautiful, it's just, it's an amazing, amazing book. Everything should should strive to be this good. Um, so from that, we're going to go to War of the Realms, War Scrolls, number two. We have a continuation of our Daredevil story by Jason Aaron, Andrea Sorrentino, and Matthew Wilson. And then we also have Doctor Strange story, by Devin Grayson, Paul Davidson, and Andre Mosa. And that one vaguely has Wolverine real fast in it. Um, the Daredevil story looks great. I mean, Sorrentino's a great artist. Um, it kind of just... Basically, you know, Daredevil has the... He has Heimdall's sword. And Kingpin says, Hey, I'll help you, Malekith, if you give me the weapon to kill Daredevil because they both want him dead. And so he gets a magic weapon and they have like a magic Asgardian battle which, eh, it's fine. Um, and of course at the end Kingpin was only doing it so he could be seen on the news protecting the city and he betrays Malekith and Malekith's like I'm going to kill them both myself. Eh, it's okay. Um, the Doctor Strange story um kind of sloppy art, but basically it's just him saying he's expended his spell. He didn't mean to evacuate everyone from New York and leave the Valkyries to die. He really regrets that. He just meant to get the civilians out and leave the heroes there, but his spell took everybody. And he thinks maybe subconsciously... Alright, so first he finds this girl who's having a bad dream and realizes the Nightmare is trying to take advantage of the situation. So he goes to sleep to see Nightmare. Nightmare's like, oh, you have... Despair, I will finally beat you. And Doctor Strange thinks of all the heroes in the floating head style, including Wolverine with a big old smile in his cowboy hat. Um, but Doctor Strange is like, no, I didn't mess up my spell. I think subconsciously I just knew that getting the refugees to Avengers Mountain wasn't enough. They would need their heroes there to protect and inspire them and give them confidence and peace during this great time of trouble. And so... Forget you, Nightmare. I feel good. And he puts him in magic chains and he wakes up and helps a girl go back to sleep by giving, tucking her in with her bunny um, and she won't have bad dreams anymore. And then there's a Hulkling and Wiccan story that involves Loki and a bunch of continuity. I've never read, didn't really enjoy the art, so I kind of got to where I skipped over it. <laughs> So War of the Realms number two, I would say Daredevil is like a three, Doctor Strange is a solid four, the backup story I skipped. I'll give the whole comic like three out of six claws. Um, so last but not least, 
is Wolverine the Long Night, number five, the adaptation of the serial podcast, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Marcio Takara, uh, colors by Matt Mia, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and again, the highlight of this book is an awesome cover by Raphael Albuquerque. It's kind of Wolverine underwater and all blue and gray tones struggling. Um, so this is the part of the story where we find out that the FBI agents are really um, sentinels from Weapon X um, in this universe. Uh, there's a part where someone's asking for Wolverine's help. says, we really need them claws. And he's like, all right, snicked. You got them. It's a pretty great snicked. Um, and, you know, there's a cult of Eternal Night. They're doing their thing, and they have the Langrock son without his head strapped to the, the witness tree. Um, the Sentinels, Agent Pierce and Marshall, go. They are suspecting that they go to the taxidermist where the older Langrock's head is on the wall, and we get this really interesting story about how the brother has turned into like this monster, this magic monster, and a story from their childhood where, you know, he was not the cool athletic son. He was hunting with his dad and accidentally shot the dog. So the dad had the dog stuffed and made it stay in the son's room to always remember. That was a trophy he deserved. Um, so, of course, he's got daddy issues, and at some point he finds a magic curse, and the dad wanted to use it, but now it's betrayed Wolverine drives a semi into the house we find out i don't remember if this is from the podcast or not i remember being a monster i don't remember them specifying that it was wendigo maybe they did and i just forgot but they do here for sure um then at the end of course the climax wolverine and wendigo go at it and then we see agent marshall being decommissioned they say you erased your memory tapes and they say what happened well we were on the boat to go to the, the five points to find some drugs, and we sank and Wolverine drowned. And turns out that really he let, let Wolverine go instead of taking him back, and Wolverine gets away. Um, art's really great. Uh, you know, the story with the sun and everything is one of the probably the, the better parts of the podcast, and kind of the end and the last chapter ended really well, so the adaptation of that part, I think, is a little more entertaining as well. It's definitely condensed, for sure. Um, yeah, this looks really good. It's got some strong moments. It's weird trying to rate an adaptation. I haven't done very well with these, but I'm going to give Wolverine the Long Night number five, five out of six claws. That wraps it up. And I have been listening, uh, almost done with Wolverine the Lost Trail. And it's been pretty good as well, the, the podcast part. Um, it has Gambit in it, and it's Wolverine going back to New Orleans to try to save uh, Maureen. And, um, you know, Mastermind is a bad guy. And, of course, the Sentinels, again, with Weapon X and all that. Um, it's pretty fun. Maybe I'll talk about it in some more detail at a later point in time. But, um, yeah, pretty good. So, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, up next should be, if all goes according to plan, an epic episode with the Excalibros, a flashback episode on the Extinction Agenda, which is 90s X-Men at ex- Exist, as far as crossover-wise. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so that should be coming soon. Um, and we'll kind of keep our tabs on what announcements we get for, for post-Tickman. Um, we'll see.
So, anyway, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, oh, uh, duh, plugs. Um, so, you know, feel free to like the Facebook page for the podcast and go snicked. Twitter is that snickcast. Um, obviously, any Facebook shares or Twitter retweets of the episodes are always welcome. Um, show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snacked.